The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narconon Suncoast. Hello, Jason. Hello, Joni. Here we are, week number... 49. Wow. In three, you, in three weeks, it? yeah, I know, in three weeks, we need to have a cupcake with a candle in it. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to bring you a card. We can almost, Happy anniversary, every year anniversary. There you go. We can almost do it in two weeks because we didn't miss a week, but that's okay. We'll make it on episode, on day of episode 52, we'll... Have a party. I guess we'll party. I it's, guess we will. It seems weird, though. Well, I, this is what I, I've looked at. Look at where we were on the day we started. Yep. Versus where we're at now. Yep. We have a following. Yes. We have people that listen to us. I, I do believe there are people out there that rely on our weekly message because maybe it gives them some hope. Maybe it gives them some information. Um, I'm glad that I shared my story and other people have come on, shared their stories and yep. offered some sort of inspiration to people that may be out there struggling or some families that have a loved one that they think can't get sober. And we have me and these other guys that have come on here and shared the fact that we were in the same boat and we did get sober and we did get clean and we did move forward. And so I'm hoping us coming into people's headsets and living rooms and cars you know, around the world are finding this useful. I think so. I think so too. I, and I hope so too. I, and you know, I actually would like to put this out to any of our listeners that if you have a story and you want to share it with us, um, let us know. Yeah. You know, there's, um, you can always email me. It's Joni, J O A N I E, Mac, M A C 6 9. That was the year I graduated at gmail.com. And, you know, feel free to email me or to call the number that comes up at the end of the podcast and, you know, ask for Jason and just say, you know, you'd like to be on the podcast because, you know, there are a lot of stories out there. We've shared a lot, but there are a lot more that, you know, we could share. And even if you lost someone to addiction, I mean, those are heavy duty stories. You know, I was speaking to Sandy Winnefeld today, and some of you may remember that I interviewed him because he and his wife lost their younger son to addiction back in October or September of last year. And so rather than you know, giving in to the grief and the despair, they decided to start a project and they are all over the place talking about prevention and treatment and intervention and all of that. So if you have a story, we would love to hear your story Absolutely. and you can let us know. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to talk about Trump's new, um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Trump's yeah. new plan. This is um, a non-political podcast, but non- here you this go. This is non-political. I'm not going to make it political. I'm going to make it more, um, conceptual i don't know subjective let's make it subjective okay so trump has as part of a new plan to help curb the opioid epidemic and start turning things around one of the things he wants to see implemented is the death penalty for some drug dealers depending on the severity of the case right i have an inherent problem with that okay and this is mine and i want to i want to hear yours too trust me um i haven't thought it through so go ahead and give me here's where i'm at I sold drugs at one point in my life to support another habit. Right. What if, so if I gotten caught in this new administration selling drugs, there's a chance that I would be put to death. But I'm just an addict who's trying to support my own addiction by selling drugs to other people. Now, I don't agree with drug dealing. Obviously, yeah, it's terrible that someone's dealing drugs to somebody else and those drugs may then kill that person. But I think we need to get rid of the idea that the drug dealer 
is this kingpin guy going around in a Cadillac with gold teeth and big chains and wads of money and super successful and women and bottles of Cristal and, you know, girls shaking their booty on his car and all this stuff. You didn't have all that? No. No? (laughs) That's not most drug dealers out there are addicts. Right. They're just trying to support their own habit. Because when you're out there shooting heroin or smoking crack or shooting meth or doing all those things... Although the drugs in singular doses are pretty cheap, you have to realize that you're going to get a habit after a while. So right. most people have two, three, four hundred dollar day habits, and working a nine to five and punching a clock isn't going to pay that bill for you. Right. Um. So dealing drugs, you find out, is a way you make quick money and a lot of it, and it, it's a viable solution to a lot of people going through addiction to be able to support their own habits because you can make a lot of money really quickly, and. I don't know if I agree with Trump's idea that we're going to take some of these dealers and actually give them the death penalty. I don't know how I feel about that. Like now I'm by myself. I'm I, I, I have an eye for an eye mentality. I feel like if you murder someone in my family, I'm probably going to try to murder you. Right. Or I think you deserve to die to some degree. Um, but I don't know if I agree with it as far as the drug epidemic goes, because what what do you get if you put a drug dealer to death? You get a dead drug dealer who someone else is just going to take their place. Right. Um, I, I don't think it's going to scare people away either from dealing drugs. I, You know, I don't know either. I think that while in theory I understand what he's going for, mm-hmm. and it's basically to target the really bad guys, the yeah. guys whose sole purpose in life is to get – as many people as possible addicted so that they can make a bunch of money. Right. The question becomes, how are you going to find out who that is versus someone who is dealing in order to just support their own habit because they have to have the drugs themselves? I don't know. And I don't think, I don't think, this has to be worked out. I don't wait, think wait, it's what? worked out yet. Do you know what I mean? Are it's we going to start killing the doctors that overprescribe drugs? Well, now that would be definitely well, something we could take a look I at. Mean, yeah. Seriously, they're talking yeah. about drug dealers. Some doctors are worse. Well, than look the at street dealers. The guys who do the did the pill mills. I think are they, are you know they should have a much heavier penalty maybe death i don't know but a much heavier uh, uh, penalty yeah. the death penalty brings up so many it's a button for a lot of people. It, it is it 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 is definitely an issue with a lot of people and you know who gets to say who lives and who dies and i think that's probably going to be the ultimate problem with this idea should there be very severe penalties for yes. people whose sole business is to get as many people addicted as they can absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. i agree with that should it be death i don't know i i i On the one hand, I kind of like his take no names kind of attitude. On the other hand, I don't know that it's been thoroughly thought through as to how this is going to work. I don't see it actually being a viable solution. I don't think so. Because there's always going to be a dealer, whether it's a dealer in a lab coat, it's a dealer on the street corner, it's a dealer, you know, in Mexico, you know, smuggling stuff over. Realistically, killing a drug dealer is just... I mean, especially I mean, especially dealers that are just your average street dealers that do come into a quite a large quantity of drugs that you have to distribute in a short period of time. If they were to get caught, I mean, that's someone's kid. That might be someone's parent. That's that's pretty yeah. heavy to say. You know, okay, well, you had five ounces 
you're, you know, you're an ounce over, yeah, see, so we're going to kill I, you. I don't know how they're going to do that. I mean, I really don't. And I don't, I, I don't, I don't think ultimately it's the solution. I think really where the, I, I personally think where the law enforcement emphasis needs to be is on the people who are bringing it in, importing it. Yeah. And that's, and that's where I think we have to crack down, whether it's Mexico or China or wherever most of the drugs are coming in. But Anyway, it's just, it's an interesting it's a thing. Heavy top, it's, I, yeah, a heavy it's a heavy topic. topic. It's a heavy topic because we keep, like, you know, the, I feel, I always say, I've said this a few times, that I feel like the opioid crisis and the drug crisis in general has been like the mother of invention because of the amount of different solutions we keep trying to come up with. You know, obviously we see there's this huge problem out there and we keep trying to come up with solutions, whether it's a, a heroin vaccination, which is actually in the process of being worked out, or you've got the death penalty for drug dealers, or you've got different forms of medication-assisted therapy, or you've got this type of treatment or that type of treatment, and you've got all these different things, and we keep trying to create different ways yep. to combat it. And, the, and this and the, is just yet another way that I think we're trying to combat it, but I think we're going down, like you said, the wrong path with it because what we're really – realistically we have to understand something about the human condition we are and i've said this before we are hedonistic creatures we're pleasure seekers but we have to get to the point where we learn that part of life is painful part of life is experiencing pain you're gonna experience pain in life having a pain-free life isn't realistic right we have it's about how you manage it and it's about how you deal with it that's going to dictate which road you're going to take in order to um handle whatever comes your way it's true if you have this idea which many of people in my generation do that if you don't feel well you just take something and whatever you take is going to make you feel better you're more likely going to go down a path of addiction than someone that says okay i'm in pain i don't feel well x y and z is happening well i have to take these steps to handle and confront and deal with whatever that is that person's less likely to become addicted it's, it's all it's all a mindset thing we have to realize that Part of life is uncomfortable. Yeah. And sometimes you're not going to feel good. Yep. And every day isn't peaches and cream and unicorns and rainbows and butterflies and stuff. Sometimes life sucks. Yep. But it's okay. But the good news is it's okay. Yep. It's, it's, it's okay because you know what? It wouldn't be life if it was always good. Well, I feel like it'd be boring. And you can fix it. There's really nothing that you can't fix, truthfully. Do you know, no. if, you just, if you just work at it and come up with better solutions than have a drink or smoke a joint or pop a pill. You know, there's, there are ways to work out pretty much just about anything. But that's the key of the opioid epidemic. Yeah. You see, that's what people aren't getting. The key is it's a paradigm shift that needs to occur. Yep. We need to stop saying, well, I don't feel well. I'm going to take this. If you don't feel well, ask your doctor if such and such a drug is right for you. Right. You need to stop listening to those messages because those are the messages that get us in trouble. Yeah, it's we very true. We have to start realizing that the key to everything is confronting and dealing with things. That's right. That's exactly there's right. There's no pill. There's no medicine. There's no law. There's no death penalty. There's no nothing that's going to fix the opioid epidemic other than like an overall mental shift that the entire society needs to take. And that's the answer is not in drugs and the answer is finding the core root of what's going on with you as a person and handling that. That's right. If you do that, you cease to need the drugs. You cease to need the medications. You cease to need a lot of the things that are getting us in trouble. That's right. Hey, before I forget a shout out to Nick. Remember Nick that emailed us? Yes. That is working to get through his addictions. Mm -hmm. 
So shout out to Nick if he's listening. Thank you for emailing us. Thank you for telling, giving us a little bit of your story. Very nice. It was kind of cool. It was very um, cool. You know how to reach Jason if you want to talk to him, if mm-hmm. he can help you with what you're going through now. I think... I'll put the main number out there real quick if anyone's listening. Okay. Uh, it's 727-304-4176, or they can call the toll-free at... Which is eight, uh, 866-339-3324, I believe. It's at you. the end of the podcast if you want to listen you. and make sure. <laughs> yeah, now I'll get you a direct line into me if, you, if anyone wants to talk to me. Just um, ask for Jason. It's funny. I, I Lately, I get phone calls and people are like, oh, you're Jason from the podcast. It's like, oh my God. I, I, I feel like people you're are You're a celebrity. I'm not a, not a celebrity, but yeah, maybe. What if you in figure 11,000 people? 11,000 right. 11, well, people. It's very, it's very flattering that people will call and say, wow, it's like really amazing to actually get to talk to you because a lot of people who do podcasts aren't as reachable exactly as, as we are you know exactly i'm very reachable i want to make my i make myself that way on purpose because right. this is a help thing yes exactly if anyone wants to talk to me call me yeah i'm there pretty much every day so <laughs> um except fridays you will not reach me on fridays but um i make myself available to anyone that wants to talk to me about what's going on because yep. at the end of the day here to help figure this thing out because lord knows we haven't figured it out yet as like uh, overall a society, society. That's we right. haven't figured this thing out yet and um you know i was in a doctor's office the other day and uh i was getting just routine blood work from a from a yearly physical that i had to do per my insurance and i saw this guy sitting there just nodding out like he's sitting in the waiting room just kind of kept bobbing his head and popping up and pop out of it again and he'd go down and pop out of it and he went up to the uh the nurse and started yelling that i needed his his psych drugs i need my pain meds and what it's taking so long oh and my god he's stomping around the uh he's stomping around and he sits back down and he starts nodding out again and gets back up starts yelling oh the receptionist i need my meds oh. and blah 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 it's just like huh <laughs> i mean this is just one little doctor's office yeah you know in the middle of clearwater florida or actually it's dunedin yeah um it goes to show we're a completely over-medicated society and we're dependent on those medications to get us through our daily lives. And I don't think it was ever, it was always like that. And it wasn't like my grandparents' generation wasn't like that. It was like, you don't have to worry about taking a, a, a dose of Prozac when you went and got water out of the tap. Right. And, and as much as my parents would do pretty much whatever the doctor told them to, they never were doing antidepressants or Ooh. anti-anxiety or anything like that. They would never, ever do that. Well, it's a different world. It is. You know, one of the things I wanted to talk about today, because I have another interview that I want everybody to hear from the... the drug, the drug prevention summit that I went to. Mm-hmm. And this was a fellow, we have talked about this before. And that is for anybody, okay, if you're an addict and you're listening, you need to get this, okay? Because when you think you're going and you're buying crack or you're buying heroin, even probably if you're buying weed, you don't know what you're getting. True. And nowadays, so much fentanyl is around mm-hmm. and you take what you you shoot up what you think is heroin and it's got fentanyl in it and you can die so it's 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 even more dangerous than just being a drug addict there's more danger involved and for anybody that's listening who suspects they have a loved one that is addicted wake up and understand that the danger of doing drugs is way worse today than it was Ever. maybe 30, 40 years ago because 
people are cutting these drugs to make more money, but they're cutting it with dangerous substances. Mm-hmm. And that's what this fellow talks about in the interview. And I, I thought it was pretty fascinating. Yeah. So I thought we could listen to him. Absolutely. Okay. I am talking to Tom Brown, and he is the CEO and founder of Rubicon Global Enterprises. And Tom was just speaking to the 6th Annual Southeastern Drug Prevention Symposium about the different mixtures that are happening now with today's street drugs. We've actually talked about this on the podcast before, but he knows way more about it than probably either Jason or I do. Tom, thank you for talking to us today. You're welcome. Now, when I was reading what you were going to talk about today, it said something about adulterants. I don't even think I say it right. And I have no idea what that means. So give us a little bit of... Uh... Adulterant is another word for cutting agent, something used to actually cut a drug. Now, there are two types of cutting agents, adulterants and diluents. And adulterant is a cutting agent that's pharmacologically active. It adds to the effect of the drug. Okay. A, a diluent is an inert substance like a sugar, mannitol, lactose. It just adds bulk to the drug. It doesn't give a pharmacological effect. Okay. Give me some examples of what an adulterant might be if someone were to buy heroin, for example. Okay. From the old day, you go back to the 1920s, heroin could di- traditionally cut with the anti-malarial medication quinine. Okay. They put quinine, and the reason why they put quinine in, in the heroin, back then a user would do the taste test, They would, you know, which you're not supposed to do, you know, put the drug on your tongue, and basically heroin was bitter. But people knew when they used a cutting agent, a sugar-based cutting agent, like mannitol or lactose, so if you street-tested the heroin on your tongue and it was sweet, you knew it was cut. Okay. Quinine was bitter, like heroin, so you had a cutting agent that was bitter, so when the user did a taste test, they didn't know it was cut because it was bitter. Oh, it's pure heroin. Right. So that, therefore, so it was designed to actually fool the user. Okay. And what, and maybe you can't answer this because obviously, you know, you're not a drug dealer, but why do drug dealers and people selling drugs, why would they add other substances to that have narcotic effects. Okay, okay. what you do, what you want, you want to, they add to a drug to make more money. For instance, oh. <coughs> excuse me, if I made an ounce of heroin, if I, if I sold an ounce and I cut it up, say, 10 times, I can only make 10 sales. But if I take an ounce of heroin, let's say an ounce of quinine, so I got two ounces now, so I can make twice as much money. I can sell more products. So you do it so you can make, number one, you just bulk it up so you can make more money. I right. can sell more. Uh, the other thing, too, is if I want to compete with you. And so I may say, I want to have a cutting. I want my heroin to be like you saw the movie. What was it, Denzel Washington movie? He sold Blue Magic Heroin. You know, it's a brand name like Pepsi and that. So I want to have a brand name. So I'm going to try to find a unique cutting agent that not only I can cut my heroin with to, to, to bulk it up to make more, but that also gives a pharmacological effect, make my heroin more powerful, so people will want to buy that. Different kind so, of high. Yes, yeah, so, I, so I, I, get, I get both benefits out of that. I can sell twice as much, but people are going to come to me to buy because they can get higher off of what I'm selling. Okay. And obviously, one of the biggest uh, issues we're having today is heroin that's laced with fentanyl, yes. right? Because fentanyl is inexpensive to get and... Like less expensive than heroin? Is that the case? Is that... Yeah, well, see, the trouble is like fentanyl is very potent. 
Okay. And you know, I was at DEA. I worked in the 1980s. I worked on the first, back then we didn't call it fentanyl, we called it design of drugs with fentanyl and fentanyl derivatives in the 1980s. There only a few people making them. And they were doing that because they want to go down to Mexico or, or, or Colombia to get their heroin or to Southeast Asia. You can make it in, in an actual lab in your home. The problem is it's very potent where the equivalent of a few grains of salt can actually kill you, okay. which makes it attractive to some traffickers because... All I need is, is just a few grains of salt, and I can mix it with the rest of my heroin, and I can really stretch my heroin with this. But the problem is it's very difficult, something that powerful. Even fentanyl itself, which is like 50 times more potent than heroin, or 80 times more potent than actual morphine, very difficult to cut heroin with. But you start taking other derivatives like carfentanyl, that's 10,000 times more potent than actual heroin. And you're talking about, what, 1 360th of a grain of salt is an active dose. You can't cut with that. So that, that's the danger in that. You know, like Traffickers think they have a great cutting agent, but it's very, very difficult to get a, a, a safe dose out of that. Wow. Wow. So from your position at Rubicon, this is what you do. You go around and you educate organizations on yeah. what's happening with yes, drugs today? Yes, I do two things. My own organization, Rubicon. I'm also a CEO for there's an international organization called the Colombo Plan. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's an offshoot of the Marshall Plan after World War II rebuilt Europe. They saw that was successful, so in 1951 they created the Columbo Plan to rebuild Asia after the war. Oh, And they okay. did that. What happened was where the Marshall Plan went away, people say, why did the Columbo Plan not go away? Because when the Columbo Plan finished its job rebuilding Asia after World War II, what happened was the Golden Triangle, the, the heroin problem started in the Golden Triangle region. Then the Vietnam War broke out, and, they, and you had a lot of heroin production. So the Columbo Plan smartly pivoted itself from economic and social development that got involved in anti-drug work. Right. Because that was the epicenter for drugs back then in the right. 60s. So the Colombo plan survived to, to this day. They made a niche for themselves in the act. So I, I do both work as a CEO for the Colombo plan. We own an organization, Rubicon Global Enterprises. Got it. Mm. Awesome. So what, you know, I think a lot of the people that listen mm. to this podcast are friends and families mm. of addicts. And um, I think we probably have some addicts that listen. What, what message would you want to get across to these people from your perspective? Well, the drugs that are being used today are not the same. When I grew up in the 70s going to college, totally different. I mean, you really don't know what you have. We've seen that with the fentanyl, but what we're having now is with all the different cutting agents, I'm talking about banned pharmaceuticals. We talked about phenacetin, aminopyrene, that are pharmaceuticals that were banned from aspirin in the 1960s because over time they wind up causing kidney problems, bladder cancer, or they were depleting red or white blood cells. But what's happening is now we've got banned pharmaceuticals, veterinary products, a whole lot of, we even got fungicides, is chemicals, industrial chemicals. Uh, different, uh, we have other, like uh, you call uh, benzodiazepams, all being used. You got uh, tramadol or praslam being used as cutting agents to actually make the drugs more potent. So what's happening now is a drug, some of them we've seen, are cut 10, 11 times. Mm-hmm. You're getting more than heroin, more than cocaine, more than meth. And a lot of times the cutting agent is very lethal. And it's bad enough with one cutting agent we've seen to give you an idea. I saw your slides. Yeah, in 2005 to 2009, Dallas, Texas, a lot of adolescents overdosed from cheese heroin. It was a combination of heroin mixed with either acetaminophen, which is Tylenol, 
or Benadryl, or which is diphenhydramine. But either one alone causes a double depressant effect with heroin that caused overdose. Wow. The same we saw in the Northeast U.S. in 2016. There was diltiazam, which is a high blood pressure medication that basically slows down your heartbeat. Well, you mix that with heroin, you cause a double depressant effect. That alone was causing overdoses in the Northeast U.S. in 2016. What happens when you have all three of these substances plus four more, and you have not just meth, but cocaine, meth, heroin in the same sample, and some fentanyl? You don't know what you're using anymore. We really don't know if you call this... Is this a heroin? Is this a cocaine? This is really a poly drug problem because some of these samples has everything in it from multiple drugs and multiple cutting agents. That's and you yeah. really have no idea what you use. And drugs are more lethal today yep. worldwide than they've ever been. Yeah, it's scary. And mm. Jason has said the exact same thing on our podcast. Tom, thank you so much for talking you're to welcome. us today. I really appreciate what you're doing, and you you fulfill a great purpose in terms of educating people. And it's a good point. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you. You're welcome. You know, this is what we've talked about, about Constantly. what's happening. Now, what's, what does car mean when you talk about car fentanyl? What it's just a derivative mean? of it. Car fentanyl is an elephant tranquilizer. But what is fentanyl? I thought fentanyl was fe- Well, elf. fentanyl is a, uh, it's the most potent painkiller that exists. It's oh, an opioid. okay. And now car fentanyl is just an analog of fentanyl, which means fentanyl has changed a little bit molecularly to create car fentanyl and car fentanyl is generally used as an elephant tranquilizer but that's being put into the drugs as well so he said there's two things there's diluents which dilute a drug right. to stretch it out and adulterants, and adulterants which make them more make, powerful which, which can make them more powerful so more you basically got yeah you don't <laughs> it's unbelievable how scary it is to use drugs these days because you never know what you're getting. You don't know. And you let's face know. it, drug dealers are not the most trustworthy in, individuals no. out and there back who in are going to tell you. Yeah, back in the day when I did cocaine, there was just cocaine in it. Now you're getting cocaine with fentanyl in it, with heroin in it, with all sorts of stuff in it. He said, yeah, you don't even know what the drug is anymore because you're doing a little bit of everything with any drug that you buy. And I totally believe that. That's right. You know, there is a, a rash of cocaine overdoses um, but they are actually opiate overdoses where people were buying cocaine, doing it as cocaine, but had fentanyl in it, ended up dying of a fentanyl overdose, not even wanting to do an opiate, wanting to do a different drug. Wow. Um, you don't know what you're getting. And he said, and like he said, people are putting car fentanyl and fentanyl and other stuff into their heroin because they want to have the strongest heroin. They want to have the good stuff that people want. And fentanyl is cheaper than heroin, right? Not necessarily. No? Not necessarily. Okay. It's just, it, it can be, but. Oh, but you just not, need less of the, the drug. You just need a tiny little bit. You just so, add it to your heroin. I so use that's that some why. Super strong stuff. And then you put okay. a little bit of inositol or lactose or whatever in it to stretch it out. And now you've got this whole wonky setup. You know, the sick part is that. Back when I was getting high, heroin addicts would hear of a certain spot in the town or the city where people were going to buy heroin. They kept overdosing. And, and so everybody, everybody would go there because they knew it heroin. was a good high. You get bang for, more bang for your buck. Let me ask you a question about fentanyl because we've all heard about Oxycontin and that and that was – or Oxycodone. Sure. And that was the drug that kind of supposedly started the opioid epidemic if you right. want to – if you want to – say that but sure yeah you can so so when did fent what's the commercial name of fentanyl because fentanyl, I- fentanyl citrate fentanyl citrate but until what you get in the hospital but until i heard of fentanyl being uh, heroin being laced with fentanyl i'd never heard of it oxy oxys yes right. um but not fentanyl it just came on the scene one day i remember uh, living back in massachusetts 
and hearing about people overdosing, and they're saying, yeah, man, there's fentanyl in that. And you're like, what's fentanyl? How long ago are we talking? 2005. Unbelievable. That's, um, it's just unbelievable to 2004, me. maybe. Um, people were uh, were overdosing. You start hearing about fentanyl, or they're mixing fentanyl with it. It's a really strong painkiller. It's like, oh, my God. Um, and Who produces act- What company produces fentanyl? I don't know. There's okay, now a, I want to know. There's a, there's, there's a few companies that make a fentanyl product. Okay. The fentanyl is the actual chemical name. It's fentanyl citrate. Okay. That's what you get in the hospital. But you don't or, know what like the commercial name of it is like, no. you know, the Prodaxa or no, whatever. No, no, no. Okay, I'm just curious. Uh-uh. I'm going to get all those so I can let people know so that if they happen to be in a hospital and someone's prescribing them fentanyl, they might not want to take it. Maybe not. Maybe they, but some, but a lot of times it's used like pre-surgery. Oh. Or post-surgery. Hmm. If you have a really painful procedure done, they'll probably give it to you. Okay. And a lot of times they give it to you in anesthesia to put you to sleep. So Okay. Who knows? There you go. But, you know, if you're out there, you're using drugs. You better be careful. Be careful. You better be. Well, don't be careful. Don't get be treatment. Careful. Get clean. Just get clean. Just get, get clean. treatment. You right. Know? Get clean. It's like go to you treatment. can, you know, you can be drug free. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care what drugs you're on. I don't care how long you've been on drugs. I mean, you've seen it all, Jason. You know. It, I, it, I feel like I haven't seen it all. I feel like there's always something that's going to shock me. Okay, you've there's seen most of it. There's going to be something new one okay, day. Okay, here's a challenge to you out there. If you think you're a special case and you think that the Narcanon program can't help you, I challenge you to call the number 866-339-3324 and talk to Jason yeah. and see if you can stump him. We'll have... Stump Jason. And then every week I'll say, did anybody stump you this week with some addiction problem that you didn't know how to handle? Because I, I, I'm going to bat that. Every time know. I think I've heard everything, I hear something new. Like, oh, there was one recently. Where I couldn't believe it. The person was getting high on something. What, what was it? Oh, I don't even, you know, told if, me. I, I don't even know if I want to say you, it. I don't you told give, me this one. I don't know if I want to give people. I, this is a new one. I don't know if I want to give people ideas, but I heard of a guy shooting up bug spray. Oh, my God. I just can't. That just grosses me out, okay? I mean, that's got to be some of the most toxic, disgusting chemicals ever. Shooting up bug spray, like, like insecticide, insect, insect spray, like insect repellent. Unbelievable. Okay. Well, there you go. That was one So if you think you've got something that Jason's never heard of, you know, feel free to contact him, but be prepared to... Do treatment if that's the case, You're because do treatment. yeah, because <laughs> yeah, really, you know that that's what Jason's here for. That's what Narcanon is here for, and that's what we are here for is to continuously tell you there's hope, there's help. Um, we have an interview set up next week, yeah, and I can't tell you everything about the fellow, so I'm not going to bring up his name, but be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And we have another interesting interview that's coming up that I I'm very excited about. Um, it's an interview with an actor who is one of the best impressionists I've ever seen. He's an amazing individual. He's an amazing actor. His name is Jim Meskimen. And he recently did a short film called Sun to Sun that is going to be at a local film festival in April. But it is a conversation of a man and his son about heroin, about addiction. And so we're going to interview Jim because I want to find out what did he learn about addiction and how did he get involved in that? And how did that come about? And, you know, I'd like to do that because I think he'll have an interesting perspective. There you go. Yeah. Well, we'll look forward to it. And uh, we'll have the interview next week and I will be able to talk about it (laughs) before (laughs) next week. So um, it'll be a Skype one, but uh, we'll do that. And we're going to just keep talking to you, get help. 
there is help available. You can call that 800 number, 866 number, and you can talk to Jason. Just ask for Jason because he's, he's an approachable guy. Pretty I can tell you. <laughs> I get him here every week and he's a, he's a good guy and he's definitely willing to talk to you and hear what you have to say. Yeah. Okay. Call us. Okay. Call me. We're going we're gonna to do this again next week. We'll keep talking. Okay. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 